Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm a turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Totally useless information with Nick and Roy. At this time, we'd like to wish every single one of you who are celebrating Thanksgiving in the United States of America a very happy Thanksgiving. Happy and healthy Thanksgiving. This is Season 5 of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Today on the show, useless animal information. And we have a special guest. Plus, useless inventions and useless sports. Plus, we'll open up the mailbag. And in news from around the world, a man calls 911 because he has to pee. Totally useless information it's everything you never needed to know welcome to episode number 12 yes we have a very special intro for a very special guest that that jingle was one of the original jingles as we started our, our show oh, a couple of years ago now. Uh, our guest today is iHeartRadio's Dan Riskin. He's a biologist with a PhD in bats. He's also a science guy in the media. If you're Canadian... Oh, wait, can, what, can I interrupt you, Nick? I yeah. thought we had Bill Nye, the science guy. You said <laughs> no, science guy. No, no. This is, he's, this is what... Dan's even better. Better he doesn't than, have a PhD. He just got a master's. <laughs> That's right. He just has a master's. And if you're Canadian, you might know him from, as a former co-host of Daily Planet on Discovery. Or in other parts of the world, you might know him as the host of Animal Planet show about parasites and monsters inside me. I yeah. was just joking. He's a big deal, folks. Dan Riskin, no, welcome to the talking. show. Thanks. My my ego's shattered because anytime you get compared to Bill Nye, you're like, well, I, you know, I've done some stuff, but I'm not Bill Nye. But you know, if as long as I keep it clear and don't don't get that in my head, I think we're gonna be okay. Now, now what yeah, makes I you an expert? I don't want to insult you. <laughs> no, no, that's that's later in the show after you leave. But you know, the thing is, <laughs> what makes you an expert about animals? Like, did you write a book or something? Oh yeah. So so yeah, you guys threw a challenge at me. You said, give me some weird facts about animals and i did a book in 2014 called mother nature is trying to kill you and every animal i'm going to tell you about today is lifted from that book and so if you if you if listeners enjoy what they hear you can get that book and you can get more of them i'm going to give one story of violence and three stories of sex in that order and uh and i guarantee these will be facts that neither of you have heard before. all right don't hold back anymore let's let's uh, let's hear your animal facts okay so as far as violence now do either of you have siblings like brothers and sisters I do. Uh, I, I had a brother. Okay. All right. So you are familiar with the idea of uh, sibling rivalry? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I hated my brother. No, I'm joking. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did he pick on you? No, I picked. Uh, no. Yeah. yeah, he actually did, but he got his enough back, too. So. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, the, the animal kingdom's greatest sibling rivalry is something called the Vero Eagle lives in Africa. What happens is the mom lays two eggs three days apart and one hatches and then three days later the other one hatches and the older one picks on the younger one, starts pecking until it kills the younger one every single time. Out of 200 observed nests, the younger one survived in only one case. So one out of 200 of the odds of survival. In one instance, a researcher watched the older sibling peck the younger one 1,569 times until it was dead. And the reason they do this is because really there's only enough food to feed one. And so 
they lay two eggs in case the first one doesn't hatch properly. They've got a backup plan. But if both of them hatch, uh, then they got to pick one to get rid of, and the older one wins. So the younger one gets killed every single time. I mean, I think it makes sense, personally. And I think that one eagle that survived out of the hundreds, his name was Peckerhead. <laughs> you talk about a pecking order. That is a pecking order. That's exactly it. No, that's totally a pecking order. Okay. Now, I've got three sex stories from the animal kingdom. The first one is just an Ooh, Good, good. I like this guy. First one is a, an Australian mammal that I think you should know the name of and respect. It's called Antichinus. And Antichinus is a, it basically, it's I've a- I've done that before. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I hope you haven't done this, my friend. Maybe, I mean, maybe the first part. So here's the deal. These are little things. They're like the size of a mouse, but when they mate, mm-hmm. copulation lasts between six and 12 hours. The male is an absolute stallion. And the, the reason he's doing this is because mating season is very short and competition over females is so intense. By staying with her, physically locked to her, he gives her lots of sperm and also prevents any other males from giving their sperm. And so he's really blocking the resource because the mating season is so short. But here's the thing, that requires so much energy and so much stress that the males get, they have huge rushes of of cortisol, of, of stress hormones that are in their bodies at the same levels as you would expect uh, in like humans from war-torn countries, like people escaping, uh, you know, a war have the same levels of stress yeah, well, hormones. Well, Dan, Dan, if you have sex for six hours, you're going to be stressed out too. <laughs> yes, but it, it has an it has a very ugly end for these poor things because they're so stressed, they get uh, kidney failure, they get ulcers, their, their immune system breaks down, and by the end of the mating season, every single male of the species is dead. Unless you experimentally cut off their balls, in which case they survive. You know, th- this is great because the more you think about it, it's good because, I mean, they could have ended up staying with the woman and getting married and then they would have been miserable for the rest of their lives. Yeah, and they'll get okay. six to 12 hours of sex in their lifetime after they're married. And what is this animal called? The anti-anus? No. Antichinus. Antichinus. Oh, very pro. A little penicillin will help with that one. You're listening to Totally Useless Information (laughs) with Nick and Roy with our very special guest, iHeartRadio science correspondent Dan Riskin. And he's giving us more animal stuff about and how they have sex. Yes. Now, sex story number two is about a spider. Mm -hmm. It's a spider called Nephalingus. And here's the thing. The spider doesn't have uh, a ding-a-ling down between its legs. Wait a minute. This is called the snuffleupagus? What is it called? No. Nephalingus. So it's on the sides of its head, it has these two appendages that work as copulatory organs, right? They, They basically work like a penis. And when he mates with the female, he uses these to deliver sperm. But the thing is, the female is way bigger. The female wants to eat him. So what he does is he sneaks in. He starts mating, and as the mating begins, he rips those off the sides of his head, and they continue pumping away and doing their thing, and he makes a break for it. Now, three-quarters of the time, she catches him and she eats him. But he's okay with that because the, you know, the, the penises are still doing their thing, and so even though he's getting eaten, he's ultimately reproducing and passing on his DNA. So the fact that she's eating keeps her busy, and that's great. But if he does survive, which happens a quarter of the time, he will go just outside her reach, and then he will fight any males that try to come close to her so that his, you know, organs that are still doing the work back there don't get interrupted. And he will fight any other male that comes. And whenever he fights them, he always wins because he's got nothing left to lose. And so he's got like higher endurance and people, you know, did these experiments where they tested the endurance of spiders that ripped their organs off. And uh, they're, they're okay. incredible. I, 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 I got to stop you though. You're because right there, I, I mean, so, so the, the spider goes up, he rips his penis off mm. 
and then he has to run away from her before he gets eaten. You would think the female would say, I'm not messing with this guy. He just inserted it and then ripped it off his body. He's a psychopath. But no, she's and what is, and she then sits there and allows this uh, this uh, lopped off penis to do its job. She has her cake and she eats it too. Well, there you go. How many times have you had sex and you had she was eating a sandwich at the same time? Come on, sure. it's happened I mean, to all of us. Today, my third story uh, is uh, about sex as well because why not? Biology is all about sex. Why not? Yeah. Um, there's yeah. a flatworm. I think Dan, I think Dan has a little bit of a problem, but okay, we'll discuss that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After I go, you guys can take me apart and do a little Freudian analysis. Maybe when he's talking about sex, he's really talking about sex. Yeah, like, maybe. I think Dan has a bestiality problem. <laughs> well, hang, yeah. To be fair, I'm I'm I've never had sex with a spider, to my knowledge. So the third story is about this uh, flatworm. And so flatworms are interesting. There's a bunch of different ones in the world, but this is a marine flatworm. And so it swims around in the ocean. It's very, very pretty, very, very colorful. And it's called Pseudobicerus, which means fake two horns. And basically what this thing has is these things that look like horns, but the, the worm is hermaphroditic. It has male parts and it has female parts, but when it mates, it's got to mate with another flatworm and one of them gets to be the boy and one of them gets to be the girl. And basically what they're going to do is they're going to stick one of those horns into the other one and deliver a bunch of sperm. And then the one that's the female, it's going to have to do all the energy of like raising these things and growing them up and all this stuff. So it's quite expensive to be the female, but it's quite cheap to be the male. So they, you know, they show up and they, I don't want to be the female. Well, I don't want to be the female either. So what do they do? They do something called penis fencing where basically they have this oh, sword penis fight. fencing. Penis, penis fencing. fencing. Okay. They have a sword fight with their fake penis things. I guess they're really penis things. They're fake horns. Uh, but they have a, a sword fight underwater and they're jousting. And then whoever gets stabbed loses and becomes the female in the relationship. And the male swims uh, away lives another day. So there you go. That's penis fencing in the animal world. Yeah. And when they say on yeah. guard, that means he's ready. Is that right? Is that what it is? Yes, it yeah. does. It does. I yeah. did that once at this uh, party at this uh, odd club that I went to. But... <laughs> yeah. They've written that's many Florida. articles about it. I just assume it. that's constantly happening in Florida. I picture a bunch of... A lot of people there, Dan. There was a lot of people. <laughs> sure. That sure. was you. Like the movie Cocoon. Like the, uh, the anti-anus. <laughs> no. So you talked earlier about uh, peckerheads. Woodpeckers have very long tongues that mm. wrap around their skull. These tiny little birds have multiple reasons for this. First of all, they can stick their tongue into crevices. Let me finish the sentence, Roy. They stick their tongue into crevices so they can take the tasty treats that are in there, bugs and whatnot. The other reason is so that they don't hurt their brain when they're pecking at the wood. It acts like an insulation for their brain. Yeah. Nick does that when he knocks his head against the wall. Sure, sure he sticks yeah. his tongue out. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I got, I got a fact. Yeah. You show up, Dan. <laughs> yeah. How many, how many animal books have you written, Roy? I'm an animal. Listen, here is a Florida fact. Okay, because I'm in Florida. You guys are both in in Canada, right? That's right. Yep. Oh, okay. So in Florida, did you ever see a pink flamingo? You've seen the pink flamingos. They stick them. They, they, they have the ornaments, the lawn ornaments with pink flamingos. Everything's pink flamingo in Florida. Well, guess what? They're not pink. They're born gray. But because they eat a diet of pink shrimp and they also eat some of the blue algae, the, the chemical inside is called cantha-axin-anthin. And this chemical turns their feathers pink. So they're born gray and they only turn pink because of what they eat. Beautiful. When we age, we turn gray. 
they start off as being gray and then not you, gray. Nick. No, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm follically challenged. I told I told my barber to take a little off the top. Did I know he was dyslexic? No. Um, hermit crabs. Speaking of sex, hermit crabs are getting hot and horny with plastic. Oh, here comes. Did Dan give you this one? No, he didn't. No, I did not know what Dan. Again, just like we do on our show. I told you, biology is all sex. But go on. Go okay. On. Well, without it, you wouldn't have biology. Uh, that's what we kept telling the girls in high school. Uh, plastic waste is the world's oceans is, is releasing an additive. That's sexually exciting for these hermit crabs, according to researchers. The waters off of North Yorkshire coast have been found by scientists, and they contain a chemical called oleamide leaking from these plastics. And according to the team, these these chemicals make these hermit crabs hot and horny. Anyone got a Lego hanging around the ocean? Yeah, the crabs are getting all psyched. It's like Viagra for crabs. That's right. Wow. Jeez. There's exactly. a crab joke in there somewhere. I know some people that got crabs from yeah. taking Viagra, but, you know, I mean, that's another story completely. But. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> All right, one more from me. Canada legalized marijuana. I believe that both Dan and Nick are probably high right now. No, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> get ready for this one. Dolphins are so smart that they're able to get high. The pufferfish has a defensive mechanism when being chased it gives off a toxin, which in large quantities could be deadly, but in very small quantities, they it can get you high. So the dolphins chase the puffer fish when he releases this endorphin. They they suck it up, I guess, through their snout or blowhole or whatever, just enough to get themselves stoned. <laughs> I think that's so cool. You go like, we're going to a dolphin party. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what's your name? My name is Flipper, man. Wow. I <laughs> know yeah, Flipper was definitely a stoner. I mean, listen to that name. Southern yeah, California, know, wasn't Flipper. it? Or was it Florida? Yeah. Either way. Either yeah. way. I think I think Flipper was at that party with me. <laughs> he probably was. <laughs> that explained a lot. Well, Dan, we went. Wanted- something in his blowhole. I don't know what the hell it was. <laughs> so, Dan, since you, you know so much about science, I mean, today we had. Dan doesn't know much about science. He talks a lot about sex, though. No, <laughs> because, well, like he said, without sex, you wouldn't have biology and vice versa. So, I think we can. Uh, safely invite you back to our show because we have a science topic as part of total uses information with nick and roy so would you mind coming back in a future bring episode it. i'd love to i'd love to and i can bring I'll, I'll try to bring something that's not so sexual because i could I, you know roy got a little worked up there so i gotta yeah gotta yeah keep it honest I'll, I'll put some thermoregulation in there or something you know like dan sex sells so we talk about it a lot we don't do it much but we talk a lot about yeah. it <laughs> yeah we don't pay for it anymore uh <laughs> thanks a lot dan looking forward to having you on our show real soon Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dan. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Innovations. Ideas. The Totally Useless Information Podcast presents Inventions. Inventions. Boy, that was cool. Yeah, it was. Dan, he's cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I feel special. We're getting all these cool guests. Yeah, last week we had Richard Krause, and uh, today we had uh, Dan Riskin. We'll have future guests as we continue on here in Season 5 of Total Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Yes, I understand that we're going to have uh, President Biden. That should be a short interview. Okay, Tom. (laughs) Yeah, the way he thinks. He'll be like, yeah, man. I am, man. And that'll be. (laughs) As far as he's concerned, he's already done the interview. <laughs> the guy's asleep. Okay, Thomas Edison. Yeah. The inventor of the light bulb, motion picture camera, and phonograph, allegedly, also invented something else the tattoo pen. 
it was invented and it was called the stencil pen. It was patented in 1876 in Newark, New Jersey, but it was not invented for the skin. It took a guy named Samuel O'Reilly to realize he could adapt it, slightly modify it, and he could inject the ink into skin. So technically, like most things Thomas Edison did, he really didn't do, but Samuel O'Reilly should get some credit for the um, uh, the tattoo pen. Excellent. Excellent. I had a Biden moment there. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you know, well, Thomas Edison, you know what his first tattoo was? A light bulb. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Over his head. That's right. <laughs> well, they say that when you have an idea, a light bulb lights over your head. What did they do before he invented the light bulb? They lit a, a candle. They lit a candle. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and of course, Which burned a lot of people's hair off. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have a lot to thank uh, the Greeks for. Uh, other than Savlakis and all kinds of delicious food, they invented the umbrella. Depictions of detailed umbrellas in ancient Greek society made of large bones and wood or plant leaves, and they go as far back as the 4th century B.C. Oh, cool. Used to block the rain and the sun in ancient times. It was considered unmanly for a man to carry an umbrella. Mm-hmm. And, and paradoxically, Athenian women carried umbrellas as a symbol of subservience. Eventually, these stereotypes subsided as anyone who uses an umbrella in a rainy day. In modern society, it was well thought out and organized, but it looked very much like the Flintstone, you know, with bones and plants and stuff. But thanks to the Greeks, we have umbrellas. Well, you know, um, the Greeks invented the retractable uh, umbrella as well. I have one. And when you open it up, it goes, Opa! (laughs) (laughs) And a chicken savlaki pops down from the top of the umbrella. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who invented the waterbed could not patent it. He invented the waterbed. He had a great idea and he couldn't patent it. Get ready because the patent department found that an author of a sci-fi book that was trademarked had already spoke about a bed filled with water. So they said, sorry, but somebody else already discussed this and discussed you know, and you know, we know very well, me and Nick, because yeah. we've been to the patent office for something. So, yeah, exactly. I thought you were going to say that, you know, he couldn't swim. Now he got seasick. He got seasick. <laughs> That's right. Well, having sex, he got seasick. So we've all used vending machines. And how frustrating was it when the candy bar dangles right at the edge and you're banging on the vending machine? Right. Well, we have mm-hmm. the Greeks to thank the vending machine, the invention of the vending machine was by Huron of Alexandria back in 70 A.D. The ancient Greek mathematician and engineer resided in Alexandria and was one of the greatest experimenters of his times. Of course, back in those days, you would put a coin into a slot at the top of the machine and a dose of holy water would come down, not bubblegum like you get today. Thanks to Huron of Alexandria. Get ready for this. We all have gone to the dry cleaners. Yeah. But did you know that dry cleaning was invented when a guy in a fabric place, knocked over a can of kerosene and noticed that it had taken a stain out of the fabric that it had saturated. Oh. So he played around with it and tumbled it in a machine and they added the kerosene and let it tumble and then he realized he had invented dry cleaning. Another invention uh, that we'd like to thank the Greeks for is uh, their automatic doors. The mm-hmm. prototype for automatic doors were powered by steam, not electricity. Guess who? Huron of Alexandria. He was busy. He was kept busy that in those days. This guy gets around. He does. So he created a hydraulic system that he installed at the Alexandrian temple 
complete with fire, water, and steam. The ropes would be triggered and pull open the doors. They were ingenious, the Greeks. They were. They still are. Yeah. Speaking of a Greek name, Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone. This was one of the, the major, major inventions of our time. But Alex, because I can call him that, yeah. we're friends. Yeah. But Alex only sold six phones in the first month. That's it. And at the end of six months, he had only sold 778 phones. So just think about that. Six months after inventing the most unbelievable invention of our time, the ability to communicate in that fashion, he had only sold less than a thousand phones in seven months. <laughs> well, the problem was when he when he sold when he made the first phone, he didn't have anybody to call. No one else had the exactly. Phone. But but think about that. That when the first six people bought it, they just got tired of calling each other. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> wow. It's me again. It's me <laughs> number again. Six. How's number five doing? No, but can you imagine having that phone number? Number one. Number one. <laughs> I'm number two. Yeah, and guess what? You still got those those annoying phone calls. Would you like your ducks cleaned? Yeah, exactly. There was only six phones in existence. A guy called up and said, your vehicle warranty. Yes. <laughs> uh, the crane that you see at a lot of construction sites and other inventions that ease the task of building structures were thanks to the ancient Greeks. They were invented back in the 6th century B.C., this undoubtedly helped the lifting of heavy stones they used to build their temples. The holes that you see are still evident today in these enormous blocks of stone. They are believed to be where they attach ropes to pull them into place. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Sports. Play ball. We all know that uh, cricket is becoming really, really popular around the world. It's really similar to baseball. You love baseball, don't you, Roy? I think that you, I think that you subliminally have thrown animal names into some of your things because of Dan Reskin. Uh, you see, you 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 you've... said the Greeks with a crane, which is an animal, right? And now right. you just said what? Cricket. Cricket. That's right. See? Cricket. See. I think subliminally you're messing with the audience. Myself. Well, won't be the first time and I'm messing with you. I know that because of the look on your face. Uh, hey, tell you a story of cricket. Man. <laughs> okay. Its <laughs> origins have been traced back to a children's game played in the Middle Ages in the mm -hmm. southern southeastern counties of England, actually. The earliest written reference about the sport dates back to 1550. Some mm -hmm. of the players used a lump of wood as a ball back then, and the sheep raised in the area grazed the grass short enough for this to be possible. And this is why grass on a modern-day cricket pitch is always short. Oh, cool. Listeners of this show know how I feel about baseball. But if you're just a new listener, which, welcome. But if you're a new listener, you'll know that I think baseball is a big snooze festival. I fall asleep during baseball. I can't believe it. I, I you just, I wish they stop You it. fall stop asleep it, anywhere. It, Come it, on. It's not just baseball. It's you. It's, it's you. Never mind it's baseball. It's you. I just don't get it. So All right. it's just so slow. So I said, you know, Roy, maybe other people feel this way. So let me do some investigating yeah. into why I feel this way. And I did. And I actually found out that in a three-hour baseball game, if you break it down to action on the field, right. not pitching, but action on the field, 
There was nine minutes and 55 seconds of action in a three-hour baseball game. Vindicated, hate the sport. <laughs> That's why they call it the pastime, right? The American pastime. Yeah, of yeah. course. They're yeah. asleep. No. <laughs> Joe Biden watches baseball. <laughs> He's playing baseball. Someone asked me once, what's the difference between fishing and angling? Angling is another term for fishing, and it goes back a long way, at least to, according to Isaac Walton, not like of the Waltons, like, you know, the TV show. Um, he lived uh, in uh, the 50, 1600s, and his famous guide, Etymology Online states that the word angle is an old English word meaning hook. Thus, an angler uses an angle or a hook to get hmm. the fish. You see, he did it again, folks. He's talking about fish, another yeah, animal. That's right. Just cueing you in to his madness, his it, method. We're to his paying madness. tribute to our guest today, our special guest, which was Dan Riskin of iHeartRadio. Yeah, he is cool. We're going to have him on again. For our science segment in a future episode, he's part of the iHeartRadio Network, and we're now on the radio as part of the iHeartRadio Network, so we're really excited about that. We're in several Yippee. cities in Canada and soon to be in the U.S., so stay tuned for that as you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Okay, so what was Babe Ruth's secret to success? Every player has some secret thing that they do, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, other than only having to play for less than nine minutes in an entire right. game. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. Babe Ruth wore a piece of cabbage, a leaf of cabbage on his head under his cap. Now, folks, this is the one to write down because I couldn't believe it. I checked it. Yeah, it's true. Every two innings, in fact, because superstitions kick in. Yeah, yeah. Every two innings, he would change the cabbage and put a nice fresh new piece. Yeah. But it wasn't just superstition. When they asked him, he said that it keeps his head cool under the cap. Now, I don't know if that would be true, and I am going to look into finding out if it could. Yeah. But I do know something else, too. Every one of the Yankees on the team said, Babe makes a hell of a coleslaw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the game, he makes a really mean cabbage roll. Oh, my God. Yeah, he put a piece of cabbage on his head. Yeah, but, cabbage. After, but after after a while, though, it would start to stink, don't you think? I think he probably stunk of liquor anyway because he was always juiced yeah. up. You know? I mean, was... he was only playing for a minute or two, Nick. What the hell did he have to do? That's he, right. Once he played for like two minutes, he went in the back and drank a whole bottle of Jack and stuck a cabbage on his head. In that case, it was pickled cabbage. <laughs> pickled cabbage. <laughs> have you ever played Yuki Gassen? I love Yuki Gassen. <laughs> so uh, they're like snowball fights, okay? Born in Japan, 1989, Yuki Gassen combines dodgeball with snowball fighting. Seven-person teams compete with 90 pre-made snowballs each because there's some prep work involved. you got to make 90 snowballs, trying to eject opposing players by hitting them with the snowballs. If you get hit with the snowball, you're out of the game. Once the make snowballs them. are gone, the team with the most players remaining wins. Yuki Gassen. And gets a snow cone. Yes. <laughs> and a piece of cabbage. Are you a boxing fan, Nick? Uh, no, I am not. Um, I've watched the match or two, but I'm not a big fan. I don't follow it, if, if that's what you mean. I love boxing. Mm -hmm. I love all kinds of boxing. Boxing, kickboxing. I, I don't know if I like that, whatever it's called now. Mixed martial arts. MMA, MMA. MMA. Yeah, MMA. mixed martial arts, yeah. Yeah, that's all right. But, but uh, it gets me crazy. But if you're a boxing fan, you'll know this name. 
Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson was, he was a monster heavyweight. I mean, he was one of the greatest boxers of all times, if not the greatest. And he had almost 100 fights. 73, 13, and 10 was his record. And he only started losing towards the end of his career, which was so long. The man had almost 100 fights, 73, 13 knockouts. He was just fantastic. If that wasn't enough, guess what? Jack Johnson invented the household wrench, the regular wrench, plier-type wrench that we have, everybody has in their house. Yeah. He invented it. How cool. Hey, have you ever played this game shin kicking? Uh, no, but I played that Shihatsu Matsu uh, <laughs> no, snowball. Yuki Gassen was the other one. Uh, <laughs> played in England since the 1600s, shin kicking is a one-on-one combat sport that's exactly like it sounds. The opponents clench each other's upper bodies. No. Similar to the plumb position in the uh, Thai kickboxing, as you were talking about, and the clinch in Greco-Roman wrestling. They attempt to take their opponent to the ground using nothing but shin kicks. Participants, however, wear hardened boots and stuff their pants with straw. No. Yeah. Hard boots? Yep. And stuff. And the only thing it cushions it is straw. They stuff their pants with straw. You've done that before. Oh, sure. But I don't do it in my shins. (laughs) I like to use socks. (laughs) I get about 30, 40 socks and stuff them in there. (laughs) Totally. It looks like I have a elephantitis <laughs> <laughs> see now you refer to animals right there well you know i figured if a kardashian could do it in the trunk i could do it in the front elephantitis. get it trunk totally okay i got another one for you a little sports analogy again how okay. about that sure michael jordan the basketball great also played major league baseball did you know that he did Yes, and and a lot of people know that. I think he was an outfielder. I'll check that while you um, continue with your fact. But he was once the best high school pitcher in all of North Carolina when he was in high school. This guy was amazing as far as a a sportsman. I mean, this guy did everything great. So he, he could have been a great baseball player. But did you know he also got paid by the Chicago Bulls for the whole time that he was playing baseball? I mean, wow. there's a lot of interesting stuff that happened with Michael Jordan. Talk about double dipping. Hey, if you'd like to get in touch with us, we made it really easy for you because, you know, some of you need, you know, easier things like Joe Biden. See, I beat you to it. <laughs> I beat you to it. NickAndRoy.com. Send us an email. What's in the mailbag? What's in the I got a mail here, and I love this one because I love when we get the the mail from. We've gotten mail from Africa, England. Uh, we've gotten mail from Spain, down in South America. This one caught my attention because it's Luigi, a uh, Luigi from Marsala, Italy. Oh yeah. Now love- I've been to Marsala, which is in Sicily, and yeah. it's a beautiful place. It's amazing. It's amazing. But he writes. I know, writes, your show is very good, interesting, but have to thank for you, help me speak more English. Wow, what's, okay. wrong, what's wrong with what he just said? Now, now, 
I don't know if I need to read that again, but Luigi, Nick and I apologize uh, for actually you learning to speak English from us. You're, you're, you're definitely been affected by it. I'll read it again. I know, right, your show is very good, interesting, but have to thank for you helping me speak and more English. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you, Luigi. No, no, Luigi. Thank you for writing. I mean, that, that takes a lot of You courage. normally have to get into, like, college in the United States to speak better than, to write better than that. <laughs> yeah. Much betterer than we do. Wow. Uh, Mary Jane from Bridgeville, Pennsylvania writes, Dear Nick and Roy, we love listening to your show. In fact, I think we are addicted to it. I set up my phone so that your new episodes show up every Thursday. Thank you. Here's my question. I love movies. One of the movies that I saw recently had the Columbia lady at the beginning of it with Columbia written over her head. What is that all about? Was that movie made in Columbia? Well, Mary Jane, thank you for listening, of course, and thank you. We're glad that we're part of your addiction. Totally useless mm -hmm. information with Nick and Roy. The like Col a drug, Nick. Yeah, we are addictive. Columbia is the name of a movie studio that produces the movies you love. In 1924, brothers Jack and Harry Cohn launched a campaign for their new studio. They wanted a new logo and chose a woman who looked like a goddess with a shield in one hand and a wheat spike in another. The name Columbia appeared in a badge over the image. Well, who's Columbia? Well, Columbia is a fictional woman who represents America. Very similar to the Statue of Liberty, but not quite. Her name derives from Christopher Columbus. Columbia. Mm -hmm. So next time you see a movie that has Columbia right before it, that's where it came from. If I had a, a movie studio, I'd get some hot babe, maybe like in a bikini and a surfboard. Sure you would. <laughs> yeah, of course. Hot babes films. You know what we'd be making, Nick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get that damn risking guy back in here. He talks a lot about sex. I'll tell he you does. Boy, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Tiffany from Oshawa, Ontario writes, Dear Nick and Roy, we discovered that we can listen to your show on our smart speaker. It's really cool. Here's my, all you have to do is say, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to set off every single smart speaker. Watch this. Mm -hmm. Hey, Google, it. play the latest episode of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. My phone just went off. <laughs> That's so funny. Mine just did. You hear it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Um, anyway, so uh, Tiffany from Ashra says, here's my question. Recently, I was at a dinner party, and we made a toast and drank to our health, especially after the pandemic and all. I was wondering, where did the practice of drinking to one's health come from? Well, Tiffany, in ancient Greece, there are the Greeks again, the host of of a dinner would take the first sip of wine to assure that the wine served to the guest wasn't poisoned. Mm. The act was a courtesy where the phrase drinking to one's health originated. And of course, if the host didn't, if they just collapsed and died, then, well, so much for their health. Thank you, Tiffany, yeah. for writing. So once again, all you have to do is go to our website. It's really easy to leave us an email. Click on the tab that says contact us and you'll send us an email and we can make you famous, too. As you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. For something completely useless. Nick always goes to me for the useless thing. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why wouldn't I? Come on. I think I've earned the title of being useless. Congratulations. Yes. Edgar Allan Poe, uh -huh. amazing writer and author, was also a junkie. Oh. 
He was a cocaine and an opium addict, and he was known to be really bad shape most of the time. That's bad. But worse than that, he married a 13-year-old. Oh, no. No? It gets worse. Oh, ouch. This particular 13-year-old was his first cousin. Oh, no. <laughs> so next time you break open the Telltale Heart book, yeah. <laughs> think that it was written by some crazy junkie who married his 13-year-old first cousin. <laughs> kind of gives a little change to the old Edgar. Tarnishes his, his career a bit. It does just a little bit. Let's put it this way. If, uh, if he were to uh, have like a horror movie, what would be the title? Friday, she'll be 13. <laughs> You're how old? Wow. Goodness gracious. Here's my useless fact. When you combine, ever write this, when you combine a question mark and an exclamation point at the end of a sentence, mm. there's a yeah. name for it. It's called an interrobang. Interrobang. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's a write-down one. That's worthy of being written down. It's an unconventional punctuation mark that various written languages intended to combine the functions of a question mark and an exclamation point. You're asking a question, but you're really excited about it. And Terrabang. Well, I, I did that one time to a girl, a Terrabang. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yeah, then you were, <laughs> then you were interrogated. Uh, no, then I woke up. <laughs> <laughs> well, today on the show, we talked about animals with our special guest, Dan Riskin. We had some cool inventions and sports. It's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is One of the police forces here in Ontario, Canada, so don't worry, Roy, usually these uh, news from around the world come from Florida. I figure let's poke fun of some Canadians here. About time. Police forces in Ontario <laughs> say that a 911 call was made because the guy had to go pee. I wish I could hear that call. Well, as a matter of fact, here's the 911 call. 911, chief police, Hello? fire or ambulance. Yeah, I need an ambulance, please. You need the ambulance? No, I need the uh, police. Well, then why did you say you need ambulance? I didn't say ambulance. I said I need police. Okay. And you have the police. Yeah. Where is the emergency? Actually, the thing is that I have to pee, and these guys are not moving. You have to pee? Yeah. This is your emergency, that you have to pee? Yeah. And yeah. how are the police going to help you urinate? I have to pee, man. And but I'm not sure what you like me to do, that you have to urinate. I can't help you with that. I am disconnecting. Okay. That was rude. Well, the thing he said he went later on, he, he said, I have to pee because these cars aren't moving fast enough. Calling oh, yeah. 911 because you have to use the bathroom and the car ahead of you isn't moving fast enough is not a reason to call 911. No, it's an emergency, Nick. I no. mean, if you have a leather interior, <laughs> you don't want to. You no. never know. You, 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 listen, this is what happens. See, see, folks, Nick doesn't take all these things into consideration like I do. Mm -hmm. If the guy pulled his pants down to urinate in the car, some woman would be in the car next to him, scream. They'd arrest this guy for indecent exposure. So the guy was doing the right thing. He called the police. He said, I need to tell you that I have to pee. <laughs> okay. And they just didn't understand it. So, Well, first he said, I needed police. And then I needed an ambulance. He says, no, I didn't. I said, I needed an ambulance. Then he said, I needed police. The guy didn't even know. Maybe he had to, he had to pee so badly that he got all confused. Well, maybe he just thought that if he got into an ambulance, he could probably pee quicker than the police giving him some sort of escort to the nearest restroom. 
That would you imagine? Move it. We got a pisser in the bathroom. Needs to get to a bathroom immediately. We have a bladder emergency. It's not, you know, it's not the police blotter. It's the police bladder. So what what ends up happening? Anybody follow up on this story no. to find out if this guy did the old pishy pants thing in the car? <laughs> no, unfortunately, we don't have the uh, no, <laughs> we don't know what happened to the pishy pants, as you put it. But the public the is reminding. I brought up about the dry cleaning in the, this episode. <laughs> certainly. Now we the, no, this is funny because he called nine one one, but but this is really serious though. Uh, all kidding aside. The public needs to be reminded, okay? You listen to our show. We appreciate it. Calling 911 and misusing 911 could be potentially dangerous because you can prevent someone with a real life threatening emergency from getting help on time. So yeah, I mean, if somebody has a hangnail and and this guy's calling up about a, a, having to go to the bathroom, there's a big difference. There is. and the, Yeah, and if you have a hangnail, put a picture on it. Anyway, yeah, so don't be a fool and call 911 because you have to pee. That's right. Just stop the car in the middle of the street, get it out, and pee. Now, that's right. not safe either. So don't do that either. No, in know, fact, you know what? Don't listen to anything that we're telling you. No, wait you a minute. This is what he should do. He should just get out of the car and pee in the cop car. You know, I'll tell you the truth. I mean, to, to be ecologically sound, he should pee on the car. It washes it. <laughs> Maybe in the gas tank. I don't know what he drank. You know what? Tonight. That was. That's all the time we have for this episode of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. We will scour the internet and other sources to find out more totally useless information for you guys next week. And even though Nick and I are always looking out for the environment, we need you to tell all your friends about the show. So tell a friend about the trend. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy is a production of NickAndRoy.com. Visit NickAndRoy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>